Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome in the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check out fivereasonsports.com. Spell it out, F-I-V-E, reasonsports.com. We've got all the latest columns, articles, all for free, unlike uh, the local papers down here. But also, we've got our merchandise, our YouTube channel with our new streaming shows. So make sure that you check that out, too. And... Of course, um, on there, you're going to get all of the podcasts. So not just this podcast, but also three yards per carry on the Dolphins and NFL, five rings, canes, balls, cast, light-skinned opinions, Shula Bowl podcast, fantasy on five, and more. I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. If this is around lunchtime, you should definitely do this. It's Mr. M Sandwich Shop in Davie, right across from the Dolphins facility at Nova Southeastern. That's right there on University Drive. They've been serving South Florida since 1979 with Philly cheesesteaks, subs, wraps, and salads. Unlike the other guys, everything there is made fresh to order. And when you go inside, and yes, they are open, say hello to Paul and Jody. Tell them you heard this advertisement on the podcast here is what you want to do though if you can't get over there right away but you want to order order online mr subs.com that's m-r-m-s subs.com use the discount code 5r for five reasons and you'll get 15 percent off your entire online order so again that's mr m sandwich shops in davie they've also got a location in hollywood so check them out mr m subs.com and now today's episode Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954, brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here on Five on the Floor. No Alf, no Alex. They're both working during the day. Our other guy is working too here, but uh, he's out on the West Coast in, in the Bay Area, in the Sacramento area. Sam Amick, um, obviously you can follow Sam on Twitter. Sam, you are with The Athletic now, correct? Uh, doing. I am indeed, Ethan. Yes, sir. Doing, Thanks doing for having me, friend. For that. No problem. I have the subscription, so uh, we appreciate all the good work that you guys are doing, and um, you know, definitely should check out The Athletic, get a subscription, not just for the Heat stuff, obviously down here. Andre Fernandez covers the Heat for them, but also for everything that's going on around the country. We brought Sam on on a busy day, and we appreciate him doing this because there is actual news. We've been speculating on the podcast when the NBA would come back. It's been sort of Orlando for a while. We've had Keith Smith on the podcast. He kind of hatched this idea because he used to work for Disney. <laughs> and, right. suddenly, and suddenly it came to fruition. And then the reports today that this is actually official. I want to go over the, the plan with you here, Sam, how they got to it, but also a little bit how it's going to work because I've talked to a bunch of agents over the past week and they said their players weren't even really sure how it was going to work, that the entire membership hadn't been informed. It's 22 teams, so eight teams are not involved. It's going to be in Orlando, Wide World of Sports Complex. They're using the Coronado Springs Resort as the main hub. They're going to play eight games, I guess, get to 72 games. Is that right? What is the, what is the plan here for the regular season? And if you could explain to me how this play-in thing works, because I can't figure it out. 
<laughs> uh, thanks for having me, brother. It's good to hear your voice. It's been a while. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the uh, the 72 threshold, I need clarity on because right now what we have been hearing was that it was eight games, uh, but obviously not everybody is starting at the same starting point. Um, you have the general idea from there being that any teams that are, more, you know, four games back or more of the eighth seed, you know, that then kind of brings to an end their season. Uh, and then you have the play-in component where, um, you know, the ninth seed has got to beat the eighth seed twice, I believe. It's uh, it's a double elimination for the eighth seed with a little protection for them being ahead, um, you know, and then you eventually pair it down to your eight teams. And within that, I mean, one of my curiosities is uh, because so much of this is obviously financially driven, you know, the playoffs and their ability to air them will, and, and I reported last month that that will put, roughly $900 million back in their pocket. Uh, mm-hmm. But the one moving target financially that I'm curious to see how it works is the RSN deals. You know, you got all these teams. Mm-hmm. So those eight that are not part of this, conceivably now they leave all that money on the table. And, and for the listeners who aren't aware, that's the regional sports network TV mm-hmm. contracts where each, you know, each team has vastly different uh, economics when it comes to what they get paid per RSN game. But that has been you know from everything i've heard you know like the second line item on the economic front but this recoups some of that money for the teams that are involved uh and then from there you go into a seven game playoff series and you know it's going to be wild in the beginning because those eight games like somebody uh i think my colleague joe varden had tweeted this that he said it reminded him of the world baseball classic in that Mm -hmm. like it's going to go from zero to 100 very quickly and all eight of those games are going to matter matter a lot um, and that's partly what the league wanted here. They obviously chose against doing something more extreme, like a like a thirty team play-in tournament um, that would have been essentially March Madness for the NBA. But I think this will have shades of that, and, and if they can actually pull it off, it could be fun. Yeah, and the RSNs I think is is the thing that a lot a lot of people are talking about. I mean, we all along I'd heard, and I believe you know you've heard everyone say a lot of this is about television, right? I mean, that is where the primary, right. that's where the revenue comes from for the NBA. And so, although there are altruistic reasons that the league wants to get back, a lot of this is, I mean, most of it is financially driven. It's just a question of can you do it responsibly. I guess the thing with the play, and, and I was in favor of not going to thirty. I mean, to me, you know, most of those eight teams look. This is one of the dangers of coming into a season, I guess it's unforeseen danger, but of coming into a season and not really trying to win. I mean, some of those teams came into this year, you know, playing for ping pong balls. And so, you right. know, they, they, they didn't have a chance to get in the mix anyway. Um, I guess, you know, if you're the 10th team in the Eastern Conference, you could have a little bit of a beef because you could say, okay, you know, we were, I mean, we're, I mean, Charlotte's a game behind Washington, right? So I guess right, right, right. They, they would be the one team potentially with a beef, but otherwise I'm fine with it. I would have been fine, honestly, if the money wasn't involved with just going to 16. Um, I would have been fine with going one to 16 and receding. Uh, beca- and the other thing that I would be fine with, and I want to ask you this question now that we know that we're going to 22. I mean, some of these teams played all year to get home court. Um, I mean, in Milwaukee's case, they played all year to get number one in the league. The Lakers, number one in the West. Uh, you know, the Heat to finish fourth. You know, we're, we're trying to finish fourth to get home court where they were outstanding this year. They were terrible on the road or mediocre on the road ahead of Indianapolis, you know, Indiana and Philadelphia. 
I have a proposal for how you reward the home teams, which is I think you just reseed after every round like the NHL does because there's no reason not to now that, you know, one of the reasons you didn't receive travel's was because right, yeah. travel's not an issue. So you don't have to send the scouts. I mean, basically everybody's there anyway. I mean, in, in summer league, you, you know, that's not a concern. That's not a concern here. Um, but others are suggesting more drastic measures. I heard one, you know, starting at one zero in a playoff series or giving extra possessions. I'm not in favor of doing anything that changes the nature of the game. Um, sure. But I, I am okay with changing the nature of the seating. Have you heard anything about how they're going to reward a Milwaukee or a Lakers or a Clippers or a Toronto for being better than everybody else this season. I haven't. I wish I had something to offer there other than, you know, and just giving credit where credit is due. Uh, what I read from Dave McMenamin at ESPN, he, he wrote a piece that had some pretty fascinating, as he described, Hail Marys that these top seeds had been throwing, trying to get advantages. You know, the higher seeded team being awarded the first possession of either the last three quarters. I'm looking at it here. Um, the higher seeded team being allowed to designate one player to be able to be whistled for seven fouls instead of six. Um, I mean, I do, man, I sure uh, across the whole spectrum of this thing, I sure hope they at least throw some of this stuff against the wall because they're never going to replicate this sort of, of, of a, an, an environment in terms of, you know, having full clearance to try almost anything because in the past and again in the future, what you run into is dogma. You run into the traditionalists who tell you that that's not acceptable and that's not okay. And, and I think this is a moment in time where, you know, not everything is on the table, but, it, but almost everything I think should be. So I hope we have some, some outside the box thinking. Yeah. I'm for the outside the box thinking. I, I just, I, my concern is this, you're going to have people who claim asterisks either way. Sure. Right. So, so if you don't give an advantage, to the home teams. And then you have Devin Booker goes on a, 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 a six week tear and a team in Philly Phoenix that probably wasn't going to make the playoffs because all the circumstances have changed now suddenly ends up in the NBA finals. Uh, there's going right. to be a huge asterisk on that. There's nothing you can do about that. And it's going to, it's going to be, well, it would have been Milwaukee and the Lakers if everything was normal. But at the same time, I think if you do too much tinkering to the nature of gameplay, I'm not talking about to seating and to some other things, maybe off the court, but to the nature of gameplay, the asterisk comes in the other direction. Right. So I, I'm, I'm okay with tinkering, right. but I think you've got to be extraordinarily uh, careful. One more thing kind of on the structure here, and then I want to get into who you think this benefits. Cause I, I just I think, to, to, to oh. interject super fast, Ethan, I'm going to rudely interrupt and, and just piggyback on what you said. I mean, I feel like since so much of your career, was spent, you know, being very close to the one and only LeBron James. I mean, I, I think we need to test the limits of LeBron's powers and, and, and maybe have him switch teams halfway through the game and see, does everything shift? You know? <laughs> well, that was, that was Buker's old time. idea. Well, Sam, that was Buker's old idea that LeBron should switch teams every offseason <laughs> if he could take a team. To, and I actually thought it was a good idea. Could you, like, could you take the old the Sixers team that was tanking and throw LeBron on it and somehow get in the players? I think we saw last year with the Lakers that there is a limit to that. But, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I think there are creative things you could do there are fun things you can do but if you've decided you're going to have a real season if you're not if you're going to play with seeds and you're going to play the rest you know, some of the rest of the regular season you're going to play four out of seven series which at some point i heard it was going to be two out of three until the finals so if you're going to play four out of seven then you've decided you're having a real season and if you're decided you're having a real season or as close to it as you can then i think it's harder to throw some stuff at the wall i think if they were 
if it, you know, some of the things Silver was talking about before, maybe we'll just have a tournament. Then it's like, yeah, do it like old the Zoe's summer groove down here where you've got 10 point shots. Okay. Then, but I think if you're going to play something that's close to a season, I think you try to get it sure. uh, as, yeah, I get close, it. as close as possible. A uh, couple more things here about logistics. And, and then I want to get to who you think benefits from this. Um, in talking to Keith Smith and others, and he knows those properties as well as anybody, it looks like Coronado Springs is going to be the hub. It looks like they'll try to play two games, sort of at two different gyms to get the regular season games in. Um, what are you hearing? Because one of the things when I've talked to agents is there's big concerns about, you know, how limited the players are going to be about having families around. Some of these star players have entourages. I mean, and not, and they're, they're, they're not just hangers on, they're legitimate people. They're, they're, they're trainers, they're, they're associates. Others, yeah. associates. How does, I mean, LeBron has, you know, a bunch of them, as we know, others have them. I mean, Jimmy has some, I mean, the, the star players have them. How, how have you heard they're going to handle all of that? Uh, it's a point of contention for sure right now because the early message from the league was that um, that they would not even be allowing families in during the regular season portion, uh, and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be until the playoffs. And you know, I kind of feel like good luck with that. Um, I think they're going to get a lot of pushback from players, and at the end of the day, the, the players certainly have leverage here where you got to get their buy-in. And certainly to this point, the NBPA and the NBA seem to have been in concert for the most part on the the evolution of these plans but that is a a, that's fluid and i think the the question of people beyond family my early sense even uh, as somebody who has been navigating access issues uh you know i'm a member of the pbwa the basketball Mm -hmm. Writers association board you know I, i mean i can't share everything but i would say that my early sense is that it's going to be incredibly tight and it's going to be less um it's far less loose on the inside of the bubble than I anticipated. I was very surprised to hear some things about kind of the way that would function. Now, listen, the players are I think, unquestionably going to have, um, if it's not their own set of rules, it's something like that. So uh, I think you're going to have um, two versions of the bubble, if not more, but mm-hmm. the family thing, they, they want to be for obvious reasons, incredibly serious and smart about the medical aspect here. Um, I think we are, even in the excitement to debate the new playoff format, the, the, you know, the whole discussion has quickly veered at least temporarily away from the medicine and the coronavirus and the idea that, you know, we can't lose sight of the fact the NBA is going to go through this entire experience just wanting to remain on, or not remain, but to wind up on the right side of history. They know mm-hmm. that if this thing goes south from a health standpoint in any form or fashion, then the history book is going to tell people that Adam Silver and his group, you know, they went and tried to recoup a bunch of their revenue and it didn't end well. So all of that is to say that, that the family stuff, the associates, the friends, um, I don't think they're going to allow the circle to be that large. And, uh, and I'm not sure some of those people beyond the family would even want to be there from a lifestyle standpoint, because I think it's going to be fairly restrictive. Yeah, I'm not that surprised at that. And I know, obviously, uh, you handle a lot of those media issues. And I'm not surprised with you saying that also, because that's kind of what I anticipated there. I want to I get to uh, some of the, the, the ramifications of this particular teams. Before we do, I want to tell you about the second sponsor of today's podcast, and that's Christopher's Bakery. You can find them on Twitter at Nilla Wafer Cakes. That's N-I-L-L Wafer Cakes. That's on Twitter, Instagram, 
and Facebook. They're named after the brother of Courtney Harris, who's actually appeared on this podcast, who died of a seizure at 11 years old. They partnered with Miami Nicholas Children's Hospital and set up a fund where they donate a portion of all the sales to epilepsy and neuroscience research, since that's where Christopher spent much of his life. The signature product, I've had it. I'm ordering another one. It's a vanilla wafer cake. You can get the chocolate chips in it too. It's created over 30 years ago. It's delicious. My daughter ate the second half of it, so I'm getting another one. But they've got other cake options available for shipping as well, and they do deliver to South Florida and all around the country. And after COVID, they'll resume hand delivery once the whole ordeal passes, if it passes, we hope so. There's a website page that you can go to directly for five reasons. It's Christopher's Bakery. That's C-H-R-I-S. T-O-P-H-E-R-S bakery.com backslash five reasons. Use the coupon code five reasons, spell it out, F-I-V-E reasons, and you'll get 15% off your entire order. So it's christophersbakery.com backslash five reasons. All right, let's get to the basketball aspect of this. And I have said, people are talking about asterisks, and here's why I don't think there should be an asterisk. To me, this, and you go back to the 2011 season, you go back to the 99 season. To me, this is Ohio. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The truest test of an organization's uh, greatness (laughs) that you're going to have because, and of a coach on each particular team, because you have guys with long layoffs who got involved in a whole bunch of other things when they were out of, out of basketball, obviously, because this is, this is not routine for their bodies, for their lives, for their families or anything. They're coming back. You're going to see on the first day of training camp what you have and what you don't have, <laughs> okay? And you're going to have to adjust to this, get these guys motivated and ready to go, get them to play in an environment that is totally different for them, not just being in this bubble in Orlando, again, away from a lot of the people that they care about, but also playing in front of no fans. Uh, it, it's, a, it's totally different. And so when people say this isn't going to be a real season, to me, this is going to be the truest test. This is where if you've claimed that you, and I cover one of these teams, if you've claimed you have a culture like a Miami, like a San Antonio, like a Toronto, like some of those, those organizations, this right. is a test of it. And I, I think that in a lot of cases, the good organizations, the ones who had good leadership among their players, who their players kept connected, or they did the Zoom videos for fitness and they gave their players programs and their players stuck to it, and they have a coach who can put it together. This is going to prove who's an elite organization in the league. Am I wrong? No, I think there's sheds of truth with that, or, or you know, to an extent. I mean, the first reaction for me is, you know, I talked to a GM last week who. It was, it was fascinating because it was from a, a high-level organization, the type that, at least in modern day, is doing things the right way. And um, they were putting a lot of water on the idea that, you know, that the preparation during the interim period would ultimately play a significant part. Now, I think now is when you start seeing the functionality of these organizations, the plan to ramp things up for each of these guys individually because they're still not going to have team workouts for quite some time. That's the other revelation here is I do not anticipate um, just handicapping it, but I don't anticipate 
in market full team practices ever before they go to Orlando. Mm -hmm. And that's going to make it hard. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but yes, getting all of these moving pieces, whether it's, you know, bodies that are out of shape, maybe guys who went too hard on the training side, maybe they were trying to keep up too much and they need to mm -hmm. get back to a basketball body. That's not going to be easy. The only thing for me that it's not a matter of it being an asterisk. I think that something in between is, is that, um, you know, it's so fascinating how some of these players and these teams are going to simply be in different places health-wise now than they would have been uh, mm -hmm. if the season had continued. And Portland is the poster boy, so to speak, for that. You know, they're sitting here as this team that messed around all year, had tons of injuries, but also didn't play very well, was out of the playoff picture. They're, they're going to be included here. Well, guess what? Now you get Zach Collins back. Now you get Yusuf Nurkic back. I mean, they're they're an entirely different team mm -hmm. than they were before, and that you could argue as a, as a rival that that's an unfair advantage. And so, there's going to be little pockets where it would have shades of asterisks, like let's say Portland just goes on a run and wipes out some big boys at some point along the way. Um, you know, then this would be this would be something that we talk about, and it just there's no way around that. What are you going to do? Say, right. you know, hey Zach and Yusuf, like since you weren't healthy in mid March you got to stay on the sideline. You're not going to do that. So it is what it is. I would look at, uh, you mentioned Portland. I think that's a great example. I, I think the, the two in the East that strike me would be Philadelphia and Indiana. Um, uh, Philadelphia, I mean, when the season ended, <laughs> Simmons and Embiid were not there. Um, or not right. healthy together. And, you know, my only concern with Philadelphia is I don't know that the culture there is such, and uh, we'll see <laughs> when they all come back. But the other thing is Indiana was having a hard time uh, kind of integrating Oladipo and Brogdon after, you know, them both being out for so long. I think this is potentially you know, beneficial for them. I think another team in the East that it helps is, is the Heat. Um, the Heat were banged up and not playing particularly well before the break. They blew a 30-point lead to Charlotte the last the last game at home uh, where they'd been dominant. Um, but, you know, Myers Leonard was out, and he was a big piece of what they were doing. They were still trying to integrate Iguodala, Crowder, you know, and the like. And so I think that it could potentially help them, except I think the thing that hurts them is, uh, again, and Philadelphia was the same way, they had this incredible home road split. And so that's basically wiped out because the Heat were playing uh, for home court. Is there a team that you think that this hurts? A team that was maybe playing well or rolling, but by the nature of their roster or anything else that's happened, that, that this is actually a potential disadvantage for them? Um, I mean, the Lakers come to mind first just because they were playing really well. And anytime you're LeBron's age and LeBron's kind of shelf life in terms of years in the league and, Miles, you know, this is a, a unique challenge for him. Now, LeBron being LeBron, I'll probably laugh that I even said that by the time he gets back out there. He'll probably look great and they'll be good. But they were rolling, uh, and the Clippers too, you know what I mean? And so I think the top teams and then what they had going uh, are not aided by this, this break. Um, but beyond that, I mean, everybody's had a chance to, to rest up. And then you're, so then you're talking about chemistry things. You're talking about momentum within the scope of the season. Uh, I'm sitting here looking at the standings, trying to think of, of who else comes to mind. I mean, well, Milwaukee you know, jumped I, I, out to me too, for the same reason as well, they were rolling, but also I just, we always hear about how older players take longer to get in shape. 
And so that Milwaukee team has a lot of professionals, but also some older bodies there. I mean, I, I'm never going to sure. question Kyle Corver's conditioning. He's a freak about it. But I'm just – it's just like there are certain guys on that team, Corver, Hill, the Lopez's. There's a little bit more age on that team than maybe some – than maybe even a, a Toronto. Um, then, you know, the Lakers obviously, you know, have some age on their team. Uh, but maybe more than a Toronto, maybe more than a Clippers. I, I, to me, the other, the other team I think that of – the, of the top teams, I think the team that's most advantaged by this is the Clippers because they basically were load managing the whole season – Right. Uh, or they, they might have right. been the one seed. Well, it, they just load managed for three months. Um, right. And and now I'm assuming Kawhi and Paul George are going to play together all the time. So right. and they you know they were pretty dominant when that happened. I, I look at them uh, as a possible positive. The other one I look at is, I mean, James Harden looks like he's lost thirty pounds. I don't know if that's good or bad or <laughs> what. Uh, but they may look a little bit different too. I, I think Houston uh, is, you know, could be a factor potentially. Yeah, James looks good. And I hadn't thought of this till you mentioned how much weight he lost. And, and I'm just speculating here, but man, it, it's hard not to assume that, that there's probably a tie in there to the, the, you know, they go all in with their roster on, you know, nothing but wings and <clears throat> playing centerless basketball. And they, they do that Capella trade with Atlanta uh, and get Robert Covington, but <clears throat> sorry, let me clear my throat there. Sure. Um, but my thing with James is a lot of times his heft and his strength, because people don't understand he's an extremely strong dude. Um, but he was a post defender and in, in their scheme for a lot of these years. And that was always the, the one rockets kind of propaganda, you know, thing they would throw out there is, well, okay, he's not great on the wings, but he's one of the best post defenders in the league. And, and so I think it's probably safe to assume that he now doesn't feel the need to have that kind of a frame. Uh, and so what, what does that look like? Because in the past we have had major, you know, debates and, and with good reason about James and his, his uh, stamina, James and his ability to get to the end of the playoffs. And even without the weight loss, I would say that it's a positive for James Harden because, you know, he has learned the hard way several times that when you, want to carry your whole entire team during the entire regular season, maybe chasing things like MVPs, then you can't make it to the end of the, the playoff finish line. So a fresh James Harden, I think certainly helps the Rockets. Same thing for Russell Westbrook. Yep. Um, the one team that we didn't mention that I think is in its own lane and is super interesting is Utah for a couple of reasons. <laughs> for one, and correct me if I'm, and I'll get to, this is the non, you know, provocative stuff first, but Bogdan Bogdan or Boyan Bogdanovich. I'm confusing my Bogdanoviches. Mm. Um, when did do you remember the details of when he he actually got hurt? Because I don't know when he, he got hurt. Right? Yeah, but he decided yeah. to have surgery in the off season, and I don't know if that was uh, elective or not elective. But I, I don't remember the circumstances. But yeah, that's that's been underplayed. I mean, he was averaging 20 a game. Uh, that's, right. Uh, yeah, and, and I mean, a big piece in terms of the shooting that they need. And you're right. I mean, he's really the only one. I think, and, 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 you know, and obviously the Gobert Mitchell thing, but I mean, I figure they'll figure that out, but I, but at least, at least to get through this season, but sure. yeah, but that one is, is interesting. Um, I don't know of any other players other than him that went from, you know, healthy to all of a sudden out during this, 
Whereas there may be some who pull a hamstring in the first week they're back. I think that's very right. possible, but there right. isn't anybody else like that. Everybody else has gone. I'm the worried other about direction. Jared Dudley. I'm worried about Jared. Uh, Dudley. Well, yeah, I, I would, I would think so. I was worried about Jokic too, but he looks better than I anticipated. So I, what did my, what did Mike Malone say? He should made some crack about it. If you see a six eleven assassin out there, it might be Nikola Jokic. He, apparently he's in pretty good shape. Yeah, it's which is stunning, and we'll see how he plays yeah. that. But that's an interesting one. All right, last thing here for Sam because I, I know you got stuff to get to. Uh, we haven't talked about it at all here, but obviously, and we did an entire podcast on that this week. The what's going on with George Floyd and the protests, and obviously the NBA's role in it. We've seen some current players, Jalen Brown, uh, obviously Malcolm Brogdon, others, Udonis Haslam down here, who've spoken out. I've made the case that the NBA is important in a time like this because they have strong voices that are listened to, and this obviously this league is going to be watched very, very closely and the rating is going to be through the roof. And if you want to make a statement, you can make a statement. Uh, but my question, do you think there are any players that will just say I'm not playing either because of COVID or because of what's going on in the country right now? Do you think we'll have any walkouts from their teams? I mean, I currently have no reason to think that's the case. You know, the, uh, the concerns on the COVID front, at least in my conversations have been minimal um there have been some but it's typically at least eventually followed by a, a willingness to trust the nbpa and then trust the individual organizations in fact you know we had joe ingles of the jazz on our podcast a couple months ago and he made mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. comment that made headlines about how he you know he would he would leave the nba and go back to australia if it meant that he was putting his family in danger and he has a, an autistic son Mm -hmm. uh, who is, who's, you know, immune system is compromised. Um, but even Joe since then has publicly tweeted about how he trusts the jazz. And so I don't have any reason to think that would be the case. Um, but, but it is, I mean, as if Adam Silver's job wasn't challenging enough already with the coronavirus situation, you know, you now need to strike the right chords on that front. You now need to convince everybody that you're being healthy and this is not a reckless, selfish money grab that you, know, you can get through this without endangering human lives. And then you also need to honor human life of George Floyd and everything mm -hmm. that that represents during this process. And so it's, a, it's another layer to it um, and one that, that Adam and the league, I mean, especially on social issues, they, they've got a fantastic track record and I'm sure they'll find a way to, uh, to, to do it the right way. Yeah, and I've I've already heard, and I'm sure you probably have too, that that some of the players are already thinking of some of the things they can do in an organized fashion, same way that you know the I can't breathe, and I guess it was 2014, I guess it would have been with Jared Jack and LeBron, um, and obviously the Kobe shirt that's going around these days, um, you know that that I would anticipate they they will do something. I've just said you know repeatedly, if there's any if there's any sports entity uh, in the world that can handle these two things, it's this one. Um, yeah. I don't know that any can, <laughs> but, but if there is any that can actually do it in a positive, responsible way and be taken seriously, unlike what, you know, the NFL put out about social justice this past week and, you know, the, they got ratioed on Twitter, uh, th this league will not get ratioed on Twitter. I mean, that there is. How about a, that Redskins, uh, tweet, huh? That was, a oh my God. Well, like, Sam, <laughs> Sam, not just the Redskins tweet, but I, I, I'm a lifelong Islander fan. And, um, I, I thought, bef I thought the Islanders, uh, not that I want to be ranking statements, but of all the, uh, statements that were put out by any of the teams, the Islanders was the most tone deaf. And so I'm, I'm reconsidering 35 years of fan them but it, it sure. well then well the knicks it's there's always the knicks and that was my oh, other team. that was my other team growing up so i so this I, i'm 
I, Although I'm the Spurs got off the hook too, man. I, it's so, yeah. so interesting how – I mean, because you got Greg Popovich, he makes a, a – you know, he, he did an, an interview with Dave Zarin and, mm-hmm. you know, was outspoken. And, yes, he is the face of the Spurs, but it always kind of bothers me how they they take advantage of that because on the back end when it comes to ownership, and yes. they are, you know, very widely known Trump supporters in that organization in terms of ownership and the whole family. Um, you know, they didn't say anything. So that was a little troubling. Well, the same happened down here with the Dolphins, who um, are a contradiction in terms because uh, their owner, you know, runs the Rise Foundation, which does tremendous work in this area. And he also has right now the best track record in the NFL in terms of promoting high-level black executives and the head coach, and the entire front office, basically, uh, as well as the head coach. Uh, but of course, you know, hosted a fundraiser for Trump that didn't go over very well with players and others. And, uh, and so, you know, they had Brian Flores, the coach, give the statement, which was an outstanding statement, but that was the dolphin statement. It was from Brian Flores. So I, I think some of these teams are at least smart enough to recognize who is the appropriate person to put out there. Sure. And right. some of these teams are the Redskins and the Knicks. And that's, that's just, and I just, you know, they're owned by Dolan uh, and and Snyder. So what are you going to do? If Dolan Dolan was a smarter man, he he should have just given his Twitter account to Spike Lee and let it go there. (laughs) (laughs) Or Charles, or Charles Oakley, Sam, either one of that. I I would have rather seen Oakley. I know, but they owe, but well, they owe both those guys something, but, but Spike's the face of the Knicks, the true face (laughs) of the Knicks. Um, Whether he wants to be or not. Yeah, exactly. In true spirit of, the, the times I, I turned on Malcolm X the other day was and starting to get through, you know, the old spike joint, but uh, yeah. yeah, James just keeps stepping in it. Yeah. I watched do the right thing the other day. So it's uh, we're, 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 we're all, we're all kind of in that space. Sam Amick, follow him at the athletics subscribe. Okay. I don't tell you guys to subscribe to pretty much anything else these days. Uh, subscribe to the athletic. It's worth it. And also helps out uh, our local guys here, um, Andre and Manny and Chris Perkins uh, and some of the other guys who work here in South Florida. Sam really appreciate you doing this. You got it, Ethan. Good to hear from you, man. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.